This is a No Dhamma podcast. I'm Brian Hogan, and today I'm joined by Suparna Damani, creator of the Integrated Dynamic Approach for the Treatment of Chronic Pain, and she's joining me from Allentown, Pennsylvania. Thank you very much for taking time out of your busy afternoon, Suparna. Thank you for having me on the show. This is your second time. We made a podcast back in 2016 about repetitive strain injuries. But for people who haven't heard that one, could you please tell us a little bit about yourself? So I'm a um, by background. Um, I was educated in India. I did my undergraduate in physical therapy in India. And then I did my master's from Temple University, Philadelphia. Um, and I went on to get a uh, degree. A certification in hand therapy, and then I became a certified ergonomic assessment specialist. Um, and um, I guess, uh, you know, quite by chance, started treating uh, repetitive stress injuries. And, um, you know, as, as I kept hitting barriers um, in, in recovery, I kept developing my own approaches um, sort of combining, you know, the Eastern and Western philosophies a little bit and develop my own brand of treatment of repetitive stress injuries, which gradually led to um, the treatment of chronic pain uh, in general, chronic musculoskeletal pain in general. Um, so for the last over two decades now, I've been treating repetitive stress injuries and other chronic musculoskeletal injuries um, and treating patients from all over the world, either in the clinic or online. Do you find a lot of people from the tech industry coming to you? Um, yes, certainly from the tech industry, but also musicians, dentists, dental hygienists, hairdressers. Um, I think that in this day and age, we really uh, use our bodies in repetitive ways. I mean, you hardly can get away from the computer. I don't know if there's a job you can do where you don't use the computer. But even otherwise, I think we've started using our bodies definitely in ways that uh, we weren't built to. Um, for example, if you take the muscles of your forearms, um, we don't have that kind of muscle fiber there to do prolonged activity. Those muscle fibers were meant for short, intense bursts of activity. But regardless of what we're doing, whether it's, you know, writing or gripping or using the computer or like in the other professions that I mentioned, there's a lot of repetitive movement, a lot of static movement, a lot of static posturing with your body. We weren't meant to sit this long. Uh, remember, we were, you know, built to be hunters and gatherers, I think. So, um, yes. So I, I would say, yes, I definitely see a ton of people from the tech industry. Um, but the chronic musculoskeletal pain is certainly not limited just to them. Um, and then you have to consider the whole lifestyle factor, you know, the pace of life uh, is much faster. It's much high, much more high stress. And all those factors add in. It's interesting you mentioned dentists. There's a friend of mine, a dentist, and he was saying to me that a lot of dentists end up with back problems because they're bending over so much and also mm -hmm. hearing problems because they're using drills that are very loud, short, intense mm -hmm. bursts all day long. So, yeah, it's, it's not just tech at all by any means. No, and it's, I mean, you're talking about the back, but imagine working in a small mouth. I mean, the awkward angles that they have to get in. Um, and, you know, if you talk about pediatric dentists, I mean, the mouths are even smaller. So, um, yeah, so there's lots of it's it's sort of uh, ubiquitous, I think, you know, it's like almost uh, I mean, where can you find a person who doesn't have some kind of neck pain or neck tightness these days? 
That's true. And today we're going to talk about kind of how the impact of COVID-19 um, is affecting us from, let's say, a physical mm -hmm. perspective and how things are different for people who are, and I hate this term, working from home because mm -hmm. I, I don't really view this as working from home. I am forced to reside in my house due to a global pandemic with you know, restricted access to services, facilities, and even going for a walk is not an easy thing. But <laughs> now that I've ranted, mm -hmm. how are things different for us now than, you know, one year ago, say? Well, I mean, um, definitely in my experience, I've noticed a, a great increase in injuries because of this working from home. Um, and, you know, it, it, you're right, working from home has this sort of feeling of, oh, you know, that must be so easy. Um, but actually, what happened actually was that, you know, it cut down the commute, it increased the the teleconferencing, the Zoom conferencing. And so any little break that you would get in the day from just even walking to a meeting or, you know, um, getting a break as you, you know, walked to talk to someone rather than, you know, have a meeting on the phone, on the on the on on the computer, um, all those little breaks got cut down. And actually, there was a study done. Uh, at one of the companies that I work with, and they found out that the person who that works from home, on an average, works three to four hours more than the person who actually works in the office. So, so the time actually um, put in at work went up, and um, obviously everyone does not have the perfect ergonomic workstation at home. Uh, so people were throwing things together just to make do. Um, and like you said, you know, you just uh, physical activity went down because there weren't, you know, the gyms closed and uh, just the sheer fear of even walking on the road. So all in all, it was a disaster. Yeah, I, mean, I, I feel it myself. Like I used to have about a 12 minute commute to the train, a five minute commute to the office. So double that then, you know, tw uh, each way out for lunch, uh, upstairs for meetings, downstairs, and then based on your advice in our previous podcast, you know, if you need to use the bathroom, take the one two flights up as opposed to the one on your own floor. So all that's kind of gone. But, you know, you're right about the meetings as well. You know, I go from one meeting on Zoom to another meeting on Zoom as opposed to, to a different room. What do you think employers should be doing? I mean, I think the first thing would be to um, provide you with with equipment, you know, there may be a sit-stand workstation or, you know, ergonomic equipment, maybe, you know, external keyboards and external mice for people who are using laptops at home. Um, so I think that good chairs, I mean, the chair chairs were a big thing, you know, because people were using any, any kind of chair they would find around their house. And those are not always conducive to working. Uh, you know, your, your dining room chair doesn't necessarily you know, it's not necessarily comfortable to sit all day to work at a computer. Um, so I think that that's the one thing that people could do. And also, I think in this age of uncertainty, information, you know, being communicative and, you know, making sure that there's enough information, because there was a lot of fear and anxiety that went along with um, just, you know, the working from home and, you know, not not having the right equipment, maybe, you know, maybe technological problems, uh, not knowing if you were ever going back to work to the office, uh, whether how the company was doing, were you going to lose your job? 
Um, and, you know, so that there was a lot of anxiety, which which also increased symptoms because, you know, as soon as there is anxiety, your body is going to react, not just in the, you know, in the way that we know it. Oh, yeah, I was really stressed. So my neck is really tight. But there's a whole physiological response that happens when you're anxious and it includes uh, a reduction of blood flow and a tightness of the tissues and, uh, and the secretion of certain hormones. Um, so this is a whole physiological response that is going to happen, whether, you know, whether there's just a little bit of concern or anxiety or if you've been chased by a mad dog. And I mean, the reaction is the same. Your brain is not capable of distinguishing between anxiety and a life-threatening situation. It's the same response. So, you know, and you add this response over a period of time, just like you add the effects of a poor workstation or you add the effects of not taking enough breaks or not moving your body enough and not having enough blood flow. This physiological effect also adds up and forms its own little syndrome that adds to your, you know, other chronic pain uh, risk factors. So, um, so there's a lot, lot of, lot of, um, you know, balls in the air that you have to take care of with this condition. I remember the situation. I remember you specifically highlighting how uh, the simple act of moving increases the blood flow, and that itself can, you know, either prevent or reduce the likelihood of repetitive stress injuries. You know, is it yeah, is I it mean, that simple for us? You know, get get a little exercise, and a lot of these problems won't happen. Yes, it is really that simple. Um, you know, it's it's if it. If you want to bring it down to the very basics, it comes down to blood flow and oxygen. That's what it comes down to. You know, the static movement, the sitting, you know, not moving isn't going to allow the flow of blood and it's not going to allow healing. Now, imagine that, you know, you're doing, you're using your body in a way that you're not meant to. We've already established that. That's not, you know, that's not a point to debate or argue. We are using our bodies in ways that we are not meant to. So let's just assume and agree then that there is some kind of damage that's happening every minute of the day. Okay. Now, is your body capable of healing? Of course it is. You know, so when you rest at night, you know, when you hydrate enough, um, you know, every time you exercise, you get an increase in blood flow, it's going to heal a little bit, but it's a simple damage and repair scale. So if your damage is more than the repair, it's going to add up over time. And remember that damage with this isn't like having, uh, you know, spraining an ankle or uh, having a car accident and breaking a bone. It's not a clear cause and effect relationship because there are many causes and because there are many interactions that take place in the formation of the syndrome. So, you know, so the damage is often microscopic. And so you may not see it right away, or it may you may see it in terms of intermittent symptoms, you know, so they come and then they go away and then we forget about it because that's human nature, right? So gradually, the the damage will add up depending on what you do or what you don't do. And then once it's accumulated enough, then you start getting symptoms that don't go away. So remember that accumulation, cumulative, that it's a cumulative problem is, is quite a key word because to the cumulative damage, there's got, got to be cumulative repair. And so exercising or moving is all about consistency. It's not about intensity. And, you know, in the TED talk that I did last year, 
that was basically my theory that I put forward. And that's that you cannot expect to work for eight or 10 hours of the day, or maybe 12 for some people, right? Um, and you can't expect that one hour of exercise at the end of the day is going to make up for eight or 10 or 12 hours worth of damage. It doesn't balance the scale. Okay, so the damage being microscopic, if you during your day do consistent periodic activities that increase your blood flow, you're going to balance that damage and repair scale. So you really don't need to put in a ton of time at the end of the day um, exercising to make up for, for your day. I mean, is it going to help? Of course, anything helps, right? But remember that it's about consistency. It's not about intensity. So, you know, I would prefer that every hour you do, you know, a little burst of aerobic activity, one or two minutes, something that increases your heart rate that causes a flow of blood through your body. And, you know, you do that through the day and chances are at the end of the day, you'll be in much better shape. What kind of things would you suggest incorporating into that day, that one or two minutes every hour? Um, anything that increases the heart rate. So you could um, go up and down the stairs. You could do two minutes of jumping jacks. You could do two minutes of uh, jogging on the spot. You could even incorporate some of your strengthening exercises like rows, for example, or squats for, for, for that matter. Um, you know, just, you know, enough, enough reps that actually cause an increase in heart rate. Um, in that sense, you could do your entire gym program in your day, you know, if you just space it out and, you know, eight hours, you know, you have at least at least eight bursts of activity. Um, you could pretty much do a, a nice full body exercise program in, in, the, in that time and have a lot of time at the end of the day to, to do what you need to do. Because, you know, we create a lot of conflict in our minds too, you know, like you work all day. At the end of the day, you know, you feel like, oh, now I should be with my family and I want to be with my children. Oh, children need homework help. You know, that that was a new thing that started, you know, with, uh, with COVID where teachers became, uh, parents became teachers. You know, that was a whole stress level. And so we create this conflict where we're like, oh, you know, I really should be working out. But oh, no, but I really need to be with my family or I really need to do this cooking. Um, and sometimes that conflict is worse than actually just doing the activity. You know, so so, you know, doing this during the day leaves you free at the end of the day to do what you want. I mean, you could exercise if you wanted more or you could do whatever else you wanted, you know, or when you do exercise at the end of the day, you don't have to create this conflict saying, oh, you know, I'm here, but I really need to finish in 20 minutes because I really need to go somewhere else. I mean, you know, it, it stops you from living in the moment. It's almost like you're always running somewhere. And that's not a great um um, it's not a great situation for your brain to be in. Because remember that any kind of reaction that your brain has, it is going to reflect in, in a reaction in your body. To take a couple of the examples that you gave, so like jumping jacks, squats, and going up and down the stairs. You know, to my mind, if I'm doing jumping jacks, that feels a lot more intense than going up and down the stairs. You know, is one better than the other? Is more is something that gets your heart rate higher better, or is moderate okay? No, it's always moderate because you wanna, you know, you wanna get your heart rate up till where you're, you know, you feel your heart rate going up and you're breathing heavy, but you can always speak a complete sentence without huffing or puffing. 
you know, you don't want to take it to that that level because you want to keep it aerobic, which means that, you know, there's oxygen in your bloodstream, not you don't want to take it to a point of anaerobic um, exercise where you actually get a chemical reaction and secretion of lactic acid. And that might be when you were, let's say, sprinting farther than you could maybe normally go. Is that right? Correct. Correct. So, I mean, there are, and, and you know, you, I mean, there are lots of, there could be limitations, you know, you, you could have someone with knee pain who cannot necessarily do jumping jacks or go up, the, up, and, up and down the stairs, but there's a whole plethora of exercises that you can do to cause an increase in heart rate. Yeah, it's interesting as well yeah. that we mentioned kind of like, um, uh, I, I think you mentioned kind of resistance stuff. So like we're doing sit-ups, press-ups, um, you know, let's say muscle building exercises. Does that count uh, towards what you're talking about? It does count. Um, and, you know, if you want wanted to cause an increase in heart rate, you could certainly do more reps and less weight. But honestly, strengthening is as important. So you could mix up during your day, um, you know, keep some weights under your desk. And, you know, while you're, you know, on a telephone conference, you know, you could certainly do, do your weights. I mean, the idea is to in, include this in your routine, you know. So you turn on, a, on your computer, you do a few exercises. You know, you talk on the telephone, you do a few exercises. You leave the room, you do a few exercises. You go get a drink of water, you do a few exercises. You go to the restroom, like we talked about, go three floors up or three floors down and, you know, do your exercises. You know, you could do a very simple um, warm up under hot water as you're washing your hands, you know. And if you incorporate in your it in your day. Um, it's just going to um, have a better effect. And, you know, it always amuses me that, you know, we tell our children in schools to sit still. And now that we're all grown up, I, I keep saying fidget, fidget all day, you know. So I think that our education needs to start a lot earlier than it does at this present time, um, you know, with respect to what's what's good for your body and how to keep healthy. On the point of routine, I imagine, you know, we're, what are we? We're middle of January now. We in Boston went into our kind of um, stay at home in middle of March. So we're 10 months in and in all likelihood, we're going to be at least another five, six months and probably longer. How hard is it or what advice would you give about keeping a routine over such a long period? Well, Routines are formed over long periods. So this was, I think, a perfect time to form some good habits and good routines um, and maybe even develop some hobbies and get a better perspective on life. Um, so I think that, you know, we could we could view this as a dark time uh, or we could look back on it someday and say, you know what, it really we, it, we, it really helped put a put a different perspective on life and um, I'm hoping and I you know I've, I've seen that happen to many different people also I've seen it where people just realized how how much they you know enjoyed doing other things rather than going to work you know just to work right I mean most people enjoy their work too but um, you know sometimes you just uh, need something like this to give you a slightly different perspective so I think that this was actually the perfect time to uh, develop some good habits and you know make it make them habits so that it just automatically fits into your routine yeah I've seen yeah kind of the that was the occasional occasional positive you know in the up until 
as I was saying, March last year, you know, we were always mm-hmm. in a rush, a rush to get to the office, a rush to get mm-hmm. home, a rush to feed our daughter, a rush to get her to bed, a rush in the following morning to mm-hmm. get her to daycare. That rush is gone. You know, right. there, there are other pressures, of course, and I'm not saying this is a good thing or anything, but, you know, we have the positives of more time with her and less rushing around. Whereas I do see a few neighbors of ours who have to go to their their locations for work, you know, I see them rushing and sort of, oh, I remember that. That used to be mm-hmm. me. Yeah. What I find the hardest, I suppose, where I am in Boston, the weather uh, does interfere with outdoor exercise quite a bit. You know, either it's uh, too cold or too wet or too icy or too snowy. So then having right. alternatives for indoors is, is very, very helpful. Yeah. And that's the thing. I think that, you know, you should you should have an exercise program that's, you know, not dependent on things because, you know, if you are dependent on the weather or if running is all you do or walking outside is all you do, then yes, you are going to be limited. But if you mix it up and mixing up, I mean, you know, if, if you do the same exercise routine over a long period of time, it's it's going to be ineffective. So, you know, you do need to mix things up partly because it's good for your body and partly because it's simply boring otherwise. Yeah, you I know, found the same exactly. I've I've had to buy pieces of equipment so that I could vary between things I can do in the the living room versus the basement versus elsewhere in the house too. Right, right, and so you know if 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 you get bored, I mean that's that's like the number one uh, reason why people quit exercising. They say, oh, it's just too boring, you know. But um, but if you mix it up, then it makes it interesting and it gives you a challenge and it's much better for your body. Since I brought up the aspect of having children, what advice would you have for working parents? Breathe. <laughs> um, I mean, it's not, you know, you, you know, you, ha- you have a child and, you know, children are... Um, a curveballs, you know, you never know what's coming, right, your way. Um, and so, you know, you do, although although they're tremendous pleasure too. So I think that, um, you know, I, I think that just, again, just taking a moment to breathe and plan your activity and plan your day and, uh, you know, Stress gets you nowhere, right? I mean, stress is just something that you feel, but um, it doesn't make you more efficient. Actually, it makes you less efficient. So, you know, so for me, you know, it's it's if, if it doesn't help you, then it's useless and just, you know, just forget about it. Right. Because it's no point getting stressed out. Um, so that's one part. I think that having kids at home and having to supervise the, you know, the education and becoming teachers for a lot of parents has been really difficult um, because obviously we send our kids to school because we are not teachers. Um, and it has also, you know, um, you know, it's time, right? I mean, you're, you're putting in now that's an extra thing to do. Um, but I think, again, um, you know, you know, we probably this is going to be the one time in history that, you know, we've had to do this and maybe we just, uh, you know, maybe we just, we just accept it and try and make it memorable. Um, but then on the flip side, you know, with kids, you know, again, we're talking about computer workstations and making sure that, you know, we we, we organize their setup so that it is, um, you know, it, it fits them. 
And actually, you know, nowadays with iPads and, you know, laptops and, you know, carrying around, you can carry things around, which is makes it easier to um, set it up wherever, you know, it's it's suitable. But I think that's important for little kids to make sure that, you know, the monitor is at eye level and they're not looking up or down and, you know, to, to have... Um, a, a, a space for typing or keyboarding, which is low enough so that they're not bending their elbows past 90 degrees and they're able to sit back in their chairs so they're not putting their heads forward. I mean, you know, it's it's become, again, you know, it's become a real syndrome, right, with, with phones and tablets and video games and, um, you know, if you watch kids, in the you know just walking around the heads are forward and they're slumped forward and uh, you know the earlier we catch it the better it is and your book it's not carpal tunnel syndrome has quite a lot of advice on i think ergonomics and positioning if people want to look that one up yeah yeah definitely positioning um i think we talked about this earlier but the book is being edited and um we're updating it um just only because there is a lot more ergonomic equipment available now than there was 20 years ago uh, but yeah a lot of the theories are still still hold true and um, especially the philosophy about correct posture and how to maintain it without tightening your tissues i think becomes very important before we move on and i will ask you about office setup regarding exercise for children I'm lucky. My daughter is so young. She will run around the house and she gets her exercise. Mm -hmm. But what of children that need, let's say, more formal exercise or who are used to having team sports and don't have them anymore? What would you suggest? Well, I think you can be quite creative. And uh, I I don't know what uh, we've had pretty good weather. So we were still able to, you know, I mean, even last week, people are we can still walk outside, you know, with with coats, but we've had pretty good weather. Um, So yes, I mean, there are lots of um, classes, online classes that you can take. Um, You can certainly develop gym programs inside your house. I mean, you said you've done that. So, you know, you it certainly is a time that you have to be very creative. You know, I've seen people have all sorts of Zoom parties and Zoom celebrations. And, um, you know, it's possible. It's possible. You just have to be a little creative and think outside the box a little bit. You touched on earlier things like ergonomics and standing desks. So what, what is your advice for a good home office setup? So the more the more adjustable it is, the better it is. That's the simple thing, you know. So you don't want to any any position for a prolonged time, however good it is, however comfortable it is, is not good. You know, you just even a good position over a prolonged time is going to have problems. So the more you vary it, the better it is. So if you can, you know, sit, if you can stand part of the day, um, you know take breaks, vary the tasks, mix the tasks. You know, it doesn't mean you have to stop working, but maybe you read your email, you know, and put your hands in your lap for a bit. And next you go and, uh, you know, type and mouse and then maybe, you know, do a Zoom meeting and while you stretch. So it's, um, you know, there are very few simple rules for staying healthy, actually. You know, vary your tasks, use big muscles wherever you can, uh, you know, yeah. I found that standing desk is very 
very nice for me. I, I have one that, you know, I'll, I'll take a meeting standing up or I'll work for two or three hours standing up and then I'll switch to sitting down. And I remember in our previous podcast as well, I think you were suggesting even changing mice throughout the day and switch from touch typing to chicken pecking, you know, one finger because it, it moves bigger muscles. Yes, that, you know, again, just because you want to vary, vary the activity, because especially with mice, I mean, I don't um, have anything particularly against the keyboard, um, but I don't believe that there's a single good mouse out there um, because each one comes with its own set of issues, you know, because each one will require you to use a particular set of muscles and, you know, again and again and again, because that's the kind of activity you perform with the mouse. It's repetitive. Um, so, you know, mixing the mice, varying the mice, and also sometimes training your non-dominant hand um, reduces the chance of injury. Because, you know, if you're going to use different mice and then different hands, um, that reduces the chances that you're going to overuse, you know, one single muscle group. Um, the only thing I would caution you about training the non-dominant hand is remember that you're not used to using it, so you literally have to train it. You can't just switch it one fine day and say, oh, I'm just going to use my left hand now because that's going to cause an injury on the left hand pretty soon. So rather than that, you know, you just start training it where you use it for maybe five or 10 minutes and then slowly build it up to the point where you're comfortable with it. And then you can, then you can start sharing the load. Yeah, another thing I'm doing to kind of get away from sitting, reading books in the evening or something, I'll listen to an audio book while doing some exercise or as part of a walk or something like that. And that, you know, it gets me out of that, that sitting posture for another, you know, half an hour or whatever it is. On the topic of mice, a lot of people now working from home, I, I see them, my colleagues, they're sitting on their couches on their laptops that are not even using mice. It's all touchpads. And you said you don't like any mice. What do you think about touchpads? I mean, again, you know, like any other mouse, I think, you know, for a short period of time, they're okay. Um, but you are going to use the same muscle group over and over again. You know, with a touchpad, it's just one way of using it. Um, but similarly, it's the same thing with a trackball or a roller mouse or a Wacom tablet or whatever it is that you use out there. Um, the vertical mouse, it, it just forces you to use certain muscle groups. So um, I would say, you know, probably it's going to be a matter of time um, before before you start, you know, getting some symptoms because of keeping on using the same muscle groups over and over again. I want to come back to your statement about the keyboard and the touch typing versus the two-finger hunting and pecking. Um, and again, you know, it's just, just for varying the muscles because if you're going to touch type, you use your hand and your finger muscles a lot. Uh, whereas if you do touch typing uh, or hunting and pecking, sorry, um, you're going to get a lot more movement from your arms and you're going to use those little muscles in your fingers and hands a little less. So you get a little break. Um, and that's the point. I mean, you know, the larger muscles have more tolerance. The smaller muscles don't have as much tolerance. What about things like exercise putty for the hands or those little squeezy balls you can get to help muscles? Yeah. I think they're great, actually, if you do the right exercises, because most people will get the squeezy balls and just squeeze them, uh, which, you know, that already is a movement that we do a lot in our day. You know, we are always bent, you know, that's that's the way we use our hands forward. We don't do any kind of opening. 
Um, so I think that the the squeezy balls are good, except that you need to work the right muscles, not just squeeze them. And uh, then also you want to work it in the opposite direction, maybe with a rubber band. So there are some very specific exercises that you do use to strengthen the small muscles of your hands, which are your muscles of dexterity. When you say a rubber band, you're talking like, I remember at some point having some uh, pain in my hand and I used kind of, I pinched all my fingers together, put a rubber band around it and then pushed them outwards. Is yeah. that one of the things you're talking about? It is. It gotcha. is. And you could do the same thing with a putty, also, with, you know, putty as well. But um, yeah, so, something like that. I'm going to move us on to your books. So you have a book already published called It's Not Carpal Tunnel Syndrome. I have a paper copy. I think you said there's a digital copy coming out soon. Yes, that's the that's the one that we're editing now and updating. Um, but that that'll probably be an ebook. That book was actually recommended to me by a podcast guest who ended up not being able to come on the podcast. But I got his book and then I found you for the our first podcast. So it was all through that book that we ended up meeting. Oh, wow. Hmm. And then what, can you tell me about the new book, please? So my new book is called Chronic Pain, Connecting the Dots. And, you know, after more than two decades of treating chronic musculoskeletal injuries um, and, you know, still seeing the same amount of desperation in my clinic, um, I just feel like I have developed this approach of treating chronic pain that's um, that's really different from what anyone else is doing, but also, make, more importantly, it's successful. And I've, so the book is my way of putting my theory and my approach out to, you know, to anyone who wants to read it. Um, but, the, but the theory is that, you know, chronic pain, chronic musculoskeletal pain consists of many different pieces of the puzzle it's more like a constellation you know and um, unless you treat all those um, you're not going to get anywhere with it because you know you can't just treat one piece of the puzzle um, you have to treat all the pieces and so in the book I sort of lay out puzzle pieces, so to speak, um, and also some treatment strategies. And this kind of gets back to your integrated approach. Yes. So integrative because it involves it's holistic and it integrates the all the parts of the body and also, you know, not just physically, but there are physiological connections as well that you need to take care of and dynamic because it needs to change um, as the body changes, as you start treating it, the body changes and your treatment has to change also um, because otherwise you hit a plateau um, and you need to keep pushing the body. It's almost like a retraining. It's almost like the body, body learns to be in a state that is not good for it, but it doesn't know how to snap out of it because now, because it's an amazing compensating machine and, you know, the body compensates because it's connected. The body parts don't work in a vacuum. You know, they work together, they interact with each other. So if one body part is affected over time, there are other body parts that get involved. Um, like I said, along a mechanical chain, but also along a physiological chain. And so, you know, you need to, you, you need to, it's almost like the body learns to be a certain way, but, the, but then you have to teach it to be a different way. 
and that's where similarly it's it's just similar to doing computer work at home you know it's consistency you know if if any relearning takes consistency it doesn't matter what it is right i mean if you you could be learning history geography or math it's all consistency and so it's about reeducating the body to be what it should be not what it has learned to be when is the book coming out um i don't know i, I think i'm about 50 pages from finishing it and then i honestly don't know what to do with it at that point because i know how to write and i know what i know mm-hmm. but i don't know the other side of it so we'll see okay and then if people wanted to find you what's the easiest way to to get in touch um you know you could always google me mm-hmm. i'll <laughs> um, put links in as well of course Yeah so you know I I work at uh, the Damani Center for Chronic Pain in Allentown um that's it's easy enough to find me there mm-hmm. but you do And, online consultations as well I think Yeah so I started an online program called Online Ache Solutions um I want to say probably 10 years ago because because of this desperation from all over the world and you know people not finding help and it's been very successful i've been able to guide many people to their recovery um so so yeah that's another site where people can also find me but it's all it's connected to my clinic anyway i remember you launched an app at some point is that still going oh yeah so the app the app is under being updated right now um you know to keep up with apple is quite uh, quite something because they keep changing policies uh but right now it's being updated and actually since i did not have it done for the android the first time around the, the plan is now to do it for both apple and android yeah cuz i i'm i have android i would love to see yeah. that yeah so actually that that app i just want to talk about the app because the app was also based on the same premise that you know you you just have to do a little bit through the day and so um of course you know when when i talk about oh what do you need you know to to feel better from rsi you need stretches you need nerve glides you need aerobic exercise you need strengthening exercise and by the end of this where's the time right so what i did for the app was i made exercises that actually combined two or three components in one exercise and so that, so there were many different categories there was upper body lower body whole body core you know many different um categories that you could pick from and um you know and then you could set a break reminder so the, the exercise would pop up and then you could just exercise with the video which was not more than 30 or 40 seconds long so it was to just make it easy and it was all done in with no props you know no clothes no no gym clothes required you know so you could do it in office attire anywhere you wanted uh, just to make it easy to exercise and to be healthy at the end of uh, uh it's computer work day because it was meant for office workers any final notes before we wrap up subarna um i mean i think um i think i'd like people to know that that it is really easy to stay healthy it's not something that's very time consuming 
um, it's it doesn't require any um, equipment or um, you know props. It's really easy to stay healthy if you know what there's some simple rules you know that to follow. Um, so that's I think one part of it. I think I'd also like people to know that you can recover from chronic musculoskeletal pain syndromes. Um, and I think that mainly, I think we need to we need to start uh, early. We need to start teaching our children who are you know be getting used to using phones and electronic devices now under the age of three. You know, so um, you can imagine uh, you know what's going to happen to them by the time they hit high school with all their homework, all their assignments on the computer. And, you know, I think that, you know, we, we, technology is, is good in many ways, right? I mean, it kept us connected through this, through this whole COVID-19 um, pandemic. Um, you know, it made it possible to still see people, meet people, talk to people, celebrate, do things. Uh, I think it's great, but I, I think it also has a lot of negatives, making you more static and making, um, you know, that it's got addictive aspects to it. Um, and I think that, you know, we have to start off at those, those habits need to start early. And I think that we need to start with our children. Soprano Damani, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you. If you like this episode, you might also like my other episode with Soprano on repetitive strain injuries. That's episode 56, or episode 139 with Heather Newman on the importance of workplace culture, or episode 117 with Arthur Doler on mental health advice for developers.
The opening music is The Return by Nisi23 from the album 11 and 12, and the closing music was Traffic by Kai Engel.